Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at clawinnipeg.org. Billy Graham said that if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of their life. Money is a huge issue for a lot of people. It dictates the kind of life that they're going to live, the lifestyle they're going to enjoy. Are they going to live well? Are they going to ultimately be homeless? Is there going to be enough to pay the bills at the end of the month? Or is there going to be a total lack of resources? Money has a huge impact on virtually everybody's life. Some people have a lot of income, but they live from check to check. Some people have a very small income, but there's always enough. So money has an effect on everybody. I want to talk to you today about an issue that Jesus brings up in his parable about the shrewd manager and how he handled a situation that he found himself in, a real predicament that he got himself into. And in this passage of scripture, we see that he takes some matters into his own hands and does some planning and preparing for the future that wasn't looking very good for him at all. And so our passage of scripture that we're looking at today is found in Luke chapter 16, verse 1 to 13, and it reads, There is a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of the management, of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And so so he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. And then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've been not trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy 
with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this passage of scripture gives us some important principles that we can live our lives by. And I want to share a few of those with you in this message. First principle is that money is something that we use. As we look at verse 1 to 9 and read this parable, it can seem a little bit confusing that Jesus is teaching what he's teaching here. In this parable, Jesus speaks of a man who, who had mismanaged, who had wasted his master's wealth. He hadn't done a good job. And here he was about to lose his job. And he comes up with this surprising solution about how he's going to deal with the situation. And we ask ourselves a question, well, wasn't this kind of fraudulent or, or dishonest? Was it proper? Was it, was it ethical? And it's a strange solution that, that he seems to come up with, that he's going to use his boss's resources to secure his own future. See, he was preparing for the end that was inevitably coming his way, this, this judgment that was going to be passed on him. And he realized that he was going to be he was going to be stranded and, and figuratively speaking, naked and, and alone. He wasn't going to have anything. This day of judgment was coming and he was waking up. And it's a warning that one day we're all going to stand before God and we're all going to give an account. And sometimes we realize this when We deal with a, an illness or a sickness and, and we're staring death in the face. Sometimes it says we age and, and gradually we come to the realization that we have more time behind us than we have ahead of us. Maybe it's misfortune that we've experienced or, or personal loss. Someone we loved has passed away. Or maybe you've had a near-death experience. And it's at these times in life that people often realize that they need to make good for wasted time or for wasted years or wasted life. and We need to prepare for the future. There's this realization that, that soon we're going to stand before God. And in this parable, we have a shrewd manager realizing that soon he was going to have nothing. He was going to have no job. And, and he was too weak to dig and, and too proud to, to beg. And he had to figure his way out of this predicament that he was in. Now, we've talked about two kinds of predicaments. The predicament of 
realizing that life is coming to an end and we're going to stand before God. Many people choose, when they realize that, to get into a right relationship with God, to to learn to live for Christ, to to learn to to devote their lives to Jesus Christ and and, and say, I'm going to make... I'm going to make some changes. Because when I stand before the Lord, I I want to be forgiven and I want to be in right relationship with him. I want to go to heaven. But then there are predicaments that we face here on earth. Predicaments, difficulties, challenges, we all go through these. Carly uh, Fiorina was the first woman who became CEO of the Hewlett-Packard Corporation. Many of you would remember her from her run at the Republican nomination for uh, U.S. president in 2016. But before all of that, she worked for a little company called AT&T. I'm sure you've all heard of it. Now, there was a, a predicament that they were facing in that particular company. And it was that they had a fairly large client who who had managers in 25 different offices and they wanted to be able to have conference calls with them all at once. And this is one of Carly's clients. Well, they didn't have a solution for that at the time. It was back in the 1980s. They didn't seem to have the technology And the standard way that many of the people in the company responded was, we can't do that, we don't have the technology. It was a predicament that begged a solution. She was determined that she was going to find a solution so she could address the predicament. And so she did. And it took courage for her to to lead and to bring others along and to to get them to be creative and to find a solution. And and ultimately, they found a solution and solved the problem. And that's how it is for all of us, in that we can all face predicaments and we can sit back and say, well, that's just the way it is. I guess I'm going to have to wallow in this problem or I'm going to do something about it. Now, our shrewd manager determined that he was not going to wallow in his problem, but he was going to get out there and do something about it. He was going to do what he could to fix it. And you may be dealing with issues in your own life, and you have a choice. I can either stay the same, or, or I can ask God to help me change and, and deal with the situation. So how do we do that? How do we overcome? Well, I want to give you three very quick little uh, helpful points as to how we can face predicaments, how we can overcome. The first one is this, face reality. Face reality. Here's the shrewd manager and he says, I'm about to lose my job. I'm about to be unemployed and I'm too old to dig or too weak to dig and I'm too proud to beg. What am I going to do? Oh, here's what I'm going to do. And he came up with a solution. Face reality. He made a plan. If you don't like your situation, look to God. Seek wise counsel. 
and make a plan, face reality. And the way that many people face reality, for instance, is this. A person may have a a, a great amount of debt, more than they can pay back. And they get discouraged and they get depressed about it and and, and they don't know what to do. And so what do they do? They medicate. What do they do? They go out and they, they buy something with their credit card to make themselves feel better. That's not facing reality. Reality is is taking the steps to deal with that debt. Maybe to get financial counseling, to cut up a credit card, to change spending habits, face reality. And then another idea on overcoming predicaments in our lives is, is fear versus courage. God calls his people to be people of courage. And we have a a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 when Joshua is about to take over the leadership from Moses. And here's what's said to him. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. And them in your life can be any numbers of situations, predicaments. For Joshua, it was, it was enemies. But who are the thems in your life? Don't be afraid because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. God calls us to be people of courage. To tackle our our predicaments. To tackle our situations. Anything great that we accomplish always seems to start with courageous steps. Handling and tackling our fear and replacing that with courage. And God promises, He says, I'll be with you. And that gives us great courage. Another step in dealing with predicaments that we get ourselves into is action versus apathy. We have a another situation where an elder is speaking to a younger and And David is speaking to his son Solomon. And again, he says, be strong and courageous. That's familiar counsel. And I like what he says next, and do the work. Do the work. Action versus apathy. Do the work. Take the steps. Move forward. Draw up a plan and begin to implement it. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you and will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Do the work. The Lord will be with you until the task is finished. He'll see you through. So face reality Is it fear versus courage? Is it action versus apathy? Make the choices. And so here is this shrewd manager who is commended for really acting wisely and using his available resources to fix his problem. And along the way, he brought others with him. And lifted them up and helped them and lifted their burden too. Money reveals 
character is my second point this morning. Our use of money reveals our relationship to money. Does money decide what we will do? Does money serve to help us accomplish what God wants us to do? Does money pay bills or or does it somehow have an eternal purpose as well? The Bible says that, that if we handle little well, then we're trusted with much more. Over in the past, I've encountered leaders and listened to leaders and, and speakers and preachers, and they've told stories about how they were trusting God for millions of dollars. Maybe it was to build a new church building or, or to purchase a piece of property. And, and as a congregation, they, they took a step of faith and they believed God for, for millions of dollars. And I can tell you right now that that wasn't the first time they trusted the Lord. That wasn't the first step of faith that they took. Before a step of faith for a million dollars was ever taken, there were steps of faith for maybe a few hundred dollars or maybe a few thousand and then maybe tens of thousands and then maybe hundreds of thousands. But they didn't start at the millions. They started at the little. See, Jesus said, if, if you can be trusted with a little, you can be trusted with a lot. And it's a step for each and every one of us. What are you trusting God for in your situation? What's your predicament? What's your situation? Listen, trust God with that situation. Trust him to come through. Believe him to bring the solution and the answer that you need. You know, we're trusting God for a miracle as a church. Why? Because we want to reach more people. We want to reach this community, the thousands of people in this community. In order to do that, we want to, we want to expand our ministry. So how are we doing that? We're going to be adding another service. How are we going to do that? We're going to add more staff. These are steps of faith. And to us right now, when we're taking those steps of faith, they seem huge. But in God's economy, they're small. And they're just the beginning. And down the road, we're going to have to take larger steps of faith and, and believe God for even greater things and, and more things. That's how God works. If you trust it with a little, you'll be trusted with more. The shrewd manager could have, could have hoarded. He could have been cautious. He could have said, well, I'm, I guess I'll... I'll sell what I have and I'll, I'll, I'll get a tent and I'll go live down by the river and, and I won't have any needs and I'll just, I'll just pull back. But no, he, he took what he had and, and he did something with it. And he wasn't just thinking of today's problem, but he was, he was planning for the future. And he brought others along with him. Third point I want to make this morning is money. We own it or it owns us. And we look at verse 13 and Jesus goes on to talk about how no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and, and despise the other. You can't serve 
both God and money. Jesus is our master. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. And through Christ, we are forgiven. Through Christ, we are given the ability to forgive. When we come to Jesus Christ, he becomes the Lord of our lives. When we come to Jesus Christ, he rules and and reigns in our hearts. He sits on the throne of our heart. The Bible says in him we we live and move and, and have our being. Our lives are all about Jesus. He gives hope to the hopeless, freedom to the addicted, wholeness to the broken. He takes the scraps of our lives that are torn by hurt and humiliation and violation and abuse, and he makes us new creations. We live for Jesus with undivided hearts. Our love, our devotion, our commitment, and our passion for Jesus supersedes everything else in life. In verse 14, it says the Pharisees, the religious people, they loved money. But I want to say to us today that as followers of Jesus, we love Jesus. And all that we have belongs to Christ. Every predicament, every victory, every challenge, every sorrow, every joy, it all belongs to Jesus. As we close today, many people are anxious about worldly provisions, about money, about predicaments, about situations, about problems. Families are concerned about paying their bills and making payments and and putting groceries on the table or or how much debt they're carrying. Students may be concerned about the cost of tuition and and student loans and and retirees may be asking the question, will I have enough to sustain me? And, And people coming up to retirement are saying, do I have enough to retire on? Will I be able to live? Money is not your master. Jesus is your master. Jesus is your Lord. Jesus is your provider. And we can face the future with courage and with faith and with expectancy and with trust because Jesus will never fail. He's with us. Be strong and be courageous. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.